on our first coffee and mimosas. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> we have on a couple local um, fun women in our community, Abby and Kara. Yes. It was so much fun. We had great conversation. We all walked away saying like, gosh, that was really therapeutic. We want to do this more. And I think what we're finding is that as women in our 30s, 40s, we want and crave that deep conversation and connection with other women. Right. And it's hard sometimes to find those friendships of the people that are in a similar season or similar you know, life as you, but also having different experiences that you all can learn from and relate to. And coffee and com- or coffee and mimosas is great conversation because we are prompting prompting each other through challenging questions. Right. So for those of you guys who don't know, and there's only a few people who know what this whole thing is about at this point. So coffee and mimosa conversations is very candid in the sense that we reach out to two people who in general don't know each other, and we invite them to come onto the podcast for this candid conversation. Each of us come up with a question or a topic of discussion that would be relevant to the four of us. So knowing that Kara and Abby are both mothers, obviously we are, uh, you know, we could have conversation around being moms. Um, so what we did is everybody kind of throws their question into the bowl in the center of the pod table. And while we're recording, one of us pulls out the topic of discussion, and that kind of is our jump off point for some really great conversation. And so what's fun is that, you know, you know, we all know what those four topics are beforehand, but you don't know what's going to be pulled on that day. And so it allows you to be somewhat prepared, but not be really curated in your responses. Well, and the conversations this time went in completely other directions in some ways because it showed how all the different aspects of all of our lives and how we all do things differently affects the questions that were in the bowl. Mm -hmm. So we did answer the question in the bowl, but we also touched on so many things that I think will resonate with so many other women and as women in business, but also just moms and women in general. Yes. I think we're all dealing with the same things, <laughs> you know, whether you live on the West coast or the East coast, or you have kids or you don't have kids. We share so many things in common and with the minutia of life and the day to day, it is so hard to carve out the time to have these conversations with other women and just know that, we're not alone in this. And so this is just such a a great opportunity for us. I feel really, really um, blessed to be able to do this with you and with other women and to be able to have the time to, to connect. So, right. And, and let other people hopefully feel a connection with those women through these conversations. And it all started because every time Caitlin and I get together to plan or discuss a anything. She gets coffee and I get a mimosa. Mm -hmm. And so when we did our photo shoot for everything, we got coffee and mimosas and decided let's have guests on. So for this first coffee and mimosas, Kara had coffee 
and Abby uh-huh. had a mimosa. Yes. So I wasn't the only one drinking mimosas this time. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope you enjoy this conversation and look forward to hearing your responses to it. So enjoy our first coffee and mimosas. Yay. I'm Caitlin. I'm Sarah. We're just women having candid conversations about all things life. Welcome to Coffee Coffee and Mimosas. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, I think first this is our first Coffee and Mimosas conversations episode. Absolutely. Cheers, cheers, cheers. So we have Abby and Kara here. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I like that. (laughs) Cheers in yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think let's just start with hearing about you guys, who you are, what you do in the community, your moms, all of that good stuff. Um, Abby, if you want to share first. Okay. Uh, I am a mother of two daughters. I have an almost 10 year old and an almost six year old. What? I don't know how they're that old. I know. (laughs) Abby's my neighbor, by the way. (laughs) And I feel like. The kids are kind of roaming the streets, but we don't connect and get together all the time. So when you said that, I was like, what? They're that old? Yeah. (laughs) That's so bizarre. Anyways, continue. (laughs) So almost 10 and 6. They're four years apart. They are identical, yet couldn't be more different in their personalities. (laughs) So it's very fun to see that play out and how they relate to one another. I am also a licensed marriage and family therapist, so I support one of our Air Force Special Operations units that is local to the Fort Bragg area, and then I also own a small business. It's a military family magazine called Legacy. Oh, just not busy at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. <laughs> Doing nothing. I have a lot of white space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Kara is here as well. Yes. Tell us, Kara. <laughs> Tell us about you. So I am Kara Mathis. Um, I live in Pinehurst and I basically um, just love Pinehurst. That's like, uh-huh. that's what I do. <laughs> um, so I have Meet Me on McCaskill uh, on Instagram, and then I'm part of the Historic Preservation Commission for Pinehurst. Um, I work a lot with the village, and I basically just tell people about how wonderful it is to live here. And and I have a son, one son, um, almost eight. And uh, yeah, he's the, the joy of my life. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in Pinehurst? Uh, two years officially, but okay. my parents have had a house here for 15 years. Where did you move from? Utah. You moved from Utah. <laughs> well, technically I'm from Philly and then through DC and then Utah. Okay. Oh. What made you move to Pinehurst? Uh, we got married here in 2014. I've just loved it since the day my parents bought their house here. Okay. So your parents were here before that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I love Utah. I went there a few times for some business conferences, and it is just beautiful. What business so... conferences were in Utah? I'm just <laughs> genuinely curious. They do a lot. One's owned by Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I did direct sales a long time ago. And so, oh. yeah, we did all of those conferences out there. Look at you nodding your head. Are you like, so... yeah, have you been to these conferences? No, but direct sales is a very members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. That's what they're called now. Oh, oh. I am not Mormon. Okay. But, okay. 
I always advocate for for my Mormon friends too. I'm like they are members uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Oh, that is just oh, that's that's long. a long name. Is. That yeah, is a long is. name. Why why did that switch over? Um, I think it was probably kind of a rebrand. It's uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean like, yeah, that's like essentially what it is. <laughs> okay. I think Mormon like gets especially with like Book of Mormon and stuff, it gets like a bad rap and okay, yeah. So they just wanted to make sure that people knew. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Fun fact. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've been in Pinehurst for two years. You've obviously established a following on social media. People want to know what's going on in Pinehurst, yeah. and people love it as much as you do. And I think you do a really beautiful job of portraying Pinehurst and its beauty, and just all the like quaint and charming things yeah. about it. I know. Anytime someone, I see someone like I'll see people here and there comment on things and be like, oh. I live in Pinehurst. I had no idea that like it was cute and stuff. And I'm always like, <laughs> what? what? How? <laughs> Did you not step outside? <laughs> right. People don't stop to just enjoy the things yeah. around them. So that's awesome that you're <laughs> educating them on that if they can't do that. But yeah, it's just so fun raising kids here too, to be able to be like, let's go to the butterfly garden today and use it. But I'm also a crazy homeschool mom, so I find all those things to try and <laughs> I even love that, though, them. honestly. I always tell, like, you know, especially my friends in um, Utah, I always say, like, homesteading, homeschooling is big here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, like, a trend na- nationwide or if it's just where we live, but I love being exposed to that because mm-hmm. I could never homeschool. I I do not have the patience for it. But it's, I feel like that's a common thing that... that- women say yeah well and apparently like with classical conversations and stuff it it sounds like I've had a lot of friends who have said no you would be surprised like Mm -hmm. I didn't think that I could Mm -hmm. do it either and so it's nice being exposed to these different kinds of educating you know or ways to educate your kids and Montessori schools I mean yes obviously there's Montessori schools elsewhere too but everywhere Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, that's the big misconception about homeschool is people say they don't have the patience because they're comparing when their kid gets home from school Mm -hmm. exhausted and trying to help them do homework yep but when you it's a lifestyle change it's like okay we're gonna get up we're gonna have a healthy breakfast while we do it we're gonna do either this work or you know a lot of people will do like a little family devotional or journal time or whatever they do uh during that time And then it's like, okay, we're going to take a break. Let's go for a walk. They get their physical energy out, that kind of thing. And then, you know, some of my kids I did better with, like, they would just sit down and do it all in the morning. And then you get all your free time the rest of the day. Other ones I had to, like, space it out. And also the joy of it is the days that you're like, I don't have patience today. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it. (laughs) Right. You can be like, we are going to the park. And you don't have to do school because you're the boss and mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is a, like a big thing I hear people say all the time is like, I don't have patience for mm-hmm. it. But because you change your entire lifestyle, the rushing, the everything, it just becomes a cool kind of thing. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, and there's definitely. Well, yeah, I would imagine it's a big mindset shift. It is. It is. And the it's nice in North Carolina because the laws are are very lax. They're trying to change some of them. And all of us in organizations are trying to prohibit that because we want to school our kids the way our kids should be schooled. Um, but it definitely is nice in North Carolina to be able to have the freedom. All you have to, you know, do, you don't have to submit your lesson plans for approval to anybody. Um, and so like, I could be like, I'm doing eighth grade 
math and sixth grade language because that is where my kids mm-hmm. are and that's okay. I'll do the test at the end of the year. It lets me know where they are. I don't have to send the scores in anyone, but I just get to use it as how yeah, it's pretty educate free next year. It's and open. V- mm-hmm. It's very free and open and it's really nice and it just and that's not yeah. nor- is that a North Carolina thing? So not every state is like that, I assume. Right. So some okay. states you have to like submit your lesson plans or you have to submit your work. Um, but in North Carolina, there's only a few people that work in the um, office. I was going to say, it's yeah. probably a staffing issue. It is a huge staffing <laughs> issue. Well, before COVID, I know when I applied, it was six people in the Department of Non-Public Education, uh-huh. which covers all the oh private schools yes. and all homeschoolers. We've seen her once. Yeah. Probably not even the same lady anymore, but we've been open since 2015 and we've been seen once. Yeah. Okay. And I've homeschooled 10 years and I've been requested to be audited once, but you don't even have to do it. And they just like, come to the library and talk to us and show us what you guys do. Right. So, yeah. So there's minimal oversight. Yeah. 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 But it's definitely not for everybody. I mean, it definitely should be the people that want to <laughs> yeah yeah do it and have the freedom to do it and I know that your kids are um in private school now absolutely mm-hmm. yeah we made a transition from public school to private school this past year we had planned on putting our girls in the one of the private schools here in fourth in kindergarten which will be these coming year mm-hmm. but the place we had them on a wait list for had actually opened early so we got them both in a year early which we've been very thankful for oh good I'll also say that when we were growing up we homeschooled ourselves for about four years my mom homeschooled my siblings and I and it allowed me uh, similar to what you were saying about the ability to learn at your own pace and tailor it to the child's learning style I was able to actually advance a year once I went back into a private school system yeah, mm-hmm. based off of what I had done the four years at home. Yeah. You're getting so much one-on-one attention. So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's kind of a, a neat thing. So we also get the opportunity to study the things that you really want to study. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a wonder what happens when children are allowed to dive into the things that they're interested in. Yeah, and then, absolutely. you know, as you, we guide them, and say like, okay, let's read about this. And then you can write about this. You're incorporating all these other modalities into this one thing. But if we can just get our kids to continue to love learning, Mm -hmm. like the rest is history, especially in this day and age, because we have so much access to information. You can learn whatever you want to learn, right? Like you don't have to go to the specific school anymore to learn this. You're like, oh, let me pull up YouTube. Yep. Let me yep. learn this. So we would do that too. If it's like, do this science experiment and it's like all these millions of things. I'm like, section 3.1 biology on YouTube science <laughs> yeah. experience. And we would just watch it because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to f- go find all these beakers and tubes yeah. and all this stuff. So we would just watch it on YouTube and we got the same thing. We s- still did all the work for it, but we didn't have to make the mess. Sure. So, so yeah. I'm like fascinated that we have homeschool, Montessori, public and private yeah. at this table. Well, my kids are actually in public school. Okay. My own children. Okay. My two. And then my 140-something children at the school yeah. <laughs> are not. But my kids went to our school until um, third grade and, and second grade. Mm-hmm. So, And I have uh, one in a charter school and one in a public school okay. as well because I gave him the choice. Like once they got older, I'm like, if you ever want to go to school, just let us know. And um, – my oldest, who's not my oldest, but my oldest boy, 
<laughs> so many. <laughs> keep so many kids. Number two, um, after COVID, like, you know, boys are all about their friends. And he was like, Absolutely. my friend said homeschooling stinks. So I don't want to be homeschooled anymore. But You're they were like, forget those friends. They yeah. were, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they were comparing the emergency COVID online schooling to homeschooling. Oh, so, oh yeah. Which was terrible. Yeah. And they were all just sitting in a computer and never doing social things or anything. And they're like, this is awful. How do you do this? And Ethan's like, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> this does suck. Yeah, but now every time he comes home and he sees, like, a Chick-fil-A cup on the counter or something, he's like, oh, y'all went to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> right. I'm like, sorry, should have been homeschooled. Homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've got one in a charter and one in a public. And then my oldest is going off to college, but um, she'll enter as a second semester sophomore wow. or first year uh, awesome. junior because she did the dual enrollment at St. Hills Community College. Which is kind of scary because she'll graduate when she's 19. Yeah. Like. Oh, oh yeah. That's that's a lot. And she couldn't even book a hotel. I mean, she can't do a lot of things. She can't do a lot of things. I don't think she can rent a car. I was about to say that. You can't even rent a car. No, she had to go up there for something. And they had to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, well, I can't go. You know, you can drive yourself. And we were like, we'll get her a hotel. And we're like, wait. She can't even check into a hotel by herself. Because she's not old enough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, it's just, yeah, you just got to tailor what works for your yeah. family and your own kids. And even per kid, it, it's you, just different. Does your son, because the other homeschool um, like stigma is that you're not socializing your children. Does he feel like he's more socialized now? No. Okay. So, so what's funny is people say that and he said something about, we were like, yeah, we're thinking about homeschooling you again. And he's like, well, I wouldn't be able to see my friends. And I'm like, you hang out with your friends like four or five days a week outside of school. And all of his friends he hangs out with outside of school do not go to school with him. Mm -hmm. And it's just so funny because it was, it is this stigma, but really I, I actually see the opposite. Homeschoolers hang out with a wide variety of ages. So we'll do a homeschool field trip. You've got everything from people with their babies in the carriers all the way up through teenagers and I see them learn how to socialize with people of all different yeah. ages, not yeah. the same 24 kids in their class that are their same age, yeah. you know, and so they really become broad. And it's, it's funny because people seeing my daughter, um, they're like, I really, I would have never guessed she was homeschooled. And I'm like, why? Yeah, what, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> did you expect her to turn out bad? What What do you think of me? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's so true, though, because my son, you know, and I don't know if your kids talk about this, but he'll be like, oh, I don't hang out with that boy because he's in second grade or I don't hang out with that girl because mm -hmm. she's in kindergarten. And the whole like hierarchy caste system, you mm -hmm. know, like you don't hang out with people, whatever it is, socioeconomic, whatever, wherever you are in life really starts in school mm -hmm. because they think like I can only hang out with people in my, you know, same space in life if you ask most homeschoolers what grade they're in they won't know they'll be like uh yeah i'm diagramming sentences yeah, yeah. <laughs> what level is that yeah yeah but that's why at our school we have mixed ages in every classroom mm -hmm. and what's really beautiful about that is the older ones in the classroom ideally have been there you know for 
three years in that classroom, they know how it operates. They know the routine. Uh, they know the starting materials. So you get to see them be kind of like the yeah. leaders and they're like, oh, let me show you this. Let me help you. And that reinforces what they've already learned because they're now teaching it. Yeah. And so you get this really interesting dynamic between the classroom where children can see that they can go to their peers rather than an adult all the time. Yeah. Like, no, we can call upon each other. Yeah. Well, and it teaches compassion because uh -huh. it teaches the older kids like, you know, and sometimes they may understand something and the younger kid they're helping wouldn't and they can like learn compassion or, you know, and different ways to communicate and all mm -hmm. of that. That That's an amazing thing about Montessori that I love too, because it you're raising up future leaders. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, I I think it's it's so interesting to hear that your son is like, oh, I don't hang out with him because yeah, he's it in doesn't whatever. Occur to him. Yeah. But they don't mm -hmm. get the opportunity either, yep. right? How often are they with the third graders yep. or the fifth graders? They're like, no, this is fifth grade recess, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's like in a huge public school system, there are ways that you have to do things that are not ideal. Yeah, <laughs> I have had many meetings with principals and administration. Um, at my kids' school of like, uh, you know, how many hours do they get to, or minutes do they get to socialize? And it was like crickets <laughs> of like, do you mean just to like talk about whatever, you know, whatever they want? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, well, you know, in the beginning of PE, they do get to talk a little bit as they're walking or, you know, doing that. But huh. other than that, they uh, need to be talking about the stuff that they're learning. They need to be talking about the stuff that's being taught. And I'm like, like I'm looking around <laughs> like anyone else, does anyone else have anything to add? Yeah. But I have to take a step back and say like, no, this is how it has to be because of the way the system is set up. This is not the principal's fault. Yep. This is not the assistant principal's fault. This is nobody's fault at this table and they may have their certain feelings, but there's like nothing that anyone can really do about it unless it starts like five echelons up. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just retreat back to my 13 acres in the woods of our school. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I feel so strongly about these things. We're just going to implement them here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's what I can control. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I'll work on this stuff with my kids at home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, going back to the whole socialization thing, it, um, because Logan, our son, did the Connect Virtual for this past semester because Luke was gone for three years. My husband was stationed in Tennessee. And we were like, let's try and buy back some of that time together. So you'll do Virtual Connect um, for a number of different reasons. But the parts that he does miss, it's not like hanging out with his buddies because he still does that. They get on their little biker gang and they're riding I all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I see them. I love it. The big group of boys, right? Um, and... It's the little things that when they're together, they're like, oh, in Miss So-and-So's class, blah, 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 did blah, 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 you know? And Logan's like, cool, I'm not a part of that conversation, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's like the, quote, socialization that is missed. It's yeah. like being in the know of what's going on in the hallways at school, you know? Or somebody said this to this girl and, you know, she likes him or whatever, and he feels on the outskirts of that. That's really the it's only the shared experiences he's yes, not getting. Exactly. Gotcha. He does get it in those aspects of like being at baseball, you know, mm -hmm. and sharing those types of experiences. But it's really feeling like he's left out a little bit of the school in the know type of stuff. So he has decided he wants to go back, which, 
you know, at some point you have to let them sort of make some of their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's better to learn how to handle those things and be able to deal with those things while they have your safety net yeah. under them. Sure. So, I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Parenting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like yeah. Before they leave. <laughs> we help them. Right. Yeah. There's some guidance and then you have to like. And then you push them out. Like loosen the, the leash. Right. Bye, birdie. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> See you later. Hopefully you survive. Yeah. Yes. If you have your wings. Because <laughs> you got to fly. Right. Yeah. Or just flop around on the ground for a little bit and figure it out. <laughs> and hope you, hope you survive. Yes. Yeah. We had a whole conversation for anyone listening about birds, baby birds. Right I love you. Like for anyone who's listening, I hope we have somebody listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the point of this. <laughs> we do. We do. But we had a whole conversation about mama birds. And it's like, whenever you feel bad about yourself, just think of this mama bird just kicks it out of the nest. Right. Yeah. So. so we are here to talk about a secret topic. It's not secret, but um, we have four different discussion topics and the bowl on the table that each of us have come up with that we all know, right? We know all four of them, mm-hmm. um, but we don't know what's about to be pulled out. And that's the whole point of coffee and mimosa conversations is that we have a topic that will provide some good discussion hopefully. (laughs) But it's kind of candid because we don't know exactly what it is. So who would like, you will let one of you guys choose. You go for it. All right. right, Abby's going to choose the topic. (laughs) Worst drum roll ever. (laughs) All right. Are you ladies ready? Ready. Ready. How do you balance work and motherhood in your day-to-day schedules? Ooh, mm. good one, Sarah. Good one. <laughs> Man, I didn't want to talk about my own. I know. No? <laughs> Isn't it the one that you probably thought the most about? Yeah, it probably is. Full so. disclosure, the one that I put in, I don't have an answer for, so I'm hoping you all give me the answer to it. Oh. oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have the answers. <laughs> I'll glean something from you guys. <laughs> the day we don't have the answers. <laughs> the day you said, come up with a question, that's what I was struggling with. So I was like, this would be a great thing yeah. to discuss, especially when you're surrounded by amazing women that can help you through some of the things you're struggling with. So, so who wants to start? Can we read that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Caitlin is not drinking mimosas. I am not. She's having coffee. I'm just having imposter syndrome right now. Like, what have I done? What have I created? (laughs) Now we have to talk about this? Okay. How do you balance work and motherhood in your day-to-day schedule? You want to start, Abby? I will. Okay. So with our girls being almost 10 and almost 6, this has certainly looked different depending on the season. Sure. So when they were first born, I was pregnant. Well, when I was pregnant with our first daughter, we had just moved to this area. And so it provided a great opportunity for me to pause my clinical work um, because I had decided I'd spent quite a bit of time deciding if I wanted to spend time with our girls at home or um, have a nanny while working, while sustaining my job. But I decided to spend time with them at home. So I paused my clinical work during that season, and then by the time our girls were two, 
I put them in what's known as a mother's morning out program. Mm -hmm. So that allowed for me to have at least three hours a day to dedicate to projects, um, passion projects, work projects. And then I felt like I was missing something even with those two, two, three hours a day that I had um, to just dedicate to what I was passionate about. And so I decided to launch Legacy Magazine while the girls were in this Mother's Morning Out program as a way to serve military families while also remaining at home. And so what that looked like was that Mother's Morning Out program and then also um, hiring one of their teachers for a few extra hours after school. Um, Once they were about school-aged, I went back into private practice and now have transitioned into full-time. So that has required a lot of collaboration with their father and I Mm -hmm. about sitting down together literally twice a month and discussing who has pickups, who has Mm -hmm. drop-offs. It requires quality time over quantity time. Right. So working full time, running a small business, it requires us to be very intentional about the time we do have together. So that looks like putting phones away, putting work away while we're um, doing dinner as a family or doing one of our family activities, which is usually bike riding or riding on our golf cart or going to the lake or even um, going for a, a quick walk around the neighborhood. And then it also looks like incorporating them, incorporating our daughters into the day-to-day tasks that you have maintaining a home. So we will do our um, meal prep together where they have their hands in the meal planning. Um, And it's, it's something that all four of us do. So our entire family will go to the grocery store together. We plan what meals we want for the week. We prep those meals. We freeze those meals. um, We cut those vegetables together. It's very hands-on. It kind of reminds me of probably the concepts you incorporate into Montessori. Mm -hmm. As Um, you're describing this, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes. Yes. These are the tools that we like to teach. Yeah. So it's, it's very hands-on and it's, it's very fulfilling, Mm -hmm. right? It's quality time. And an important skill for them to learn. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So they're not wondering, how do you do this once they leave the home? Mm -hmm. And it'll be totally normal for them because the things that we see growing up become just our normal routines and tasks that we do until we don't, you know, (laughs) until we develop our own stuff. But a lot of those habits are formed during these years. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, I remember reading James clear book, atomic habits, Mm -hmm. and it talks about how um, routine and patterns are much more influential than motivation. And so if you can incorporate those rituals, routines, habits early on, I really feel like that stays with you. Like you were just commenting on Kaylin. Yeah. Do you feel like your daughters uh, resisted that? Like when did you start incorporating that? So I would say their personalities certainly play into their, their enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for the task, (laughs) if you will. Um, so our, our almost six year old is very hands-on, very tactical. So she's very much 
a child that wants you to play with her. She very much wants you to be engaged and interactive mm -hmm. with her. And so that was almost like a trial and error. Um, she wanted to spend time, but mommy and daddy needed to get these things done. Um, so we invited her into that process of preparing meals. And, it, and to her, she'll come home and say, mommy, I want to work. Can I do the dishes? Mm. Oh. So it's, it's fun. Can You're I like, can I have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard, it's hard to relinquish control of some of that stuff too. It My six-year-old is the same. He's like, I want to clean all the windows. And then you walk around and you're like, oh, and there. I will re-clean those. Yeah. <laughs> you're giving me something else to do in a little bit. And there's <laughs> certainly some of that too, yeah. for sure. Um, whereas our older one is a little more contemplative, mm -hmm. more reflective. So we incorporate her in different ways. Um, and she, she prefers to do activities like making beds and tidying rooms. So she'll take on the role of that for both her and her sister. So it is tailoring it to the child for sure. That's awesome. When do you find time to work on the magazine if you work in the clinical field of full time now? Great question. <laughs> I became a member of the... The morning club, the 5 a.m. morning club um, when we lived in Tennessee mm -hmm. or Georgia area, Tennessee, Georgia border. Um, and that's where I learned the power of like waking up at before the sun. Um, so that is normally what I do is I will get up before the sun rises and have two hours a day to dedicate to the magazine. And then I also could not run Legacy without our amazing team of um, contributors, um, and volunteers. So it's definitely a collaborative effort. How um, many people are on the team with you? So for our core team, we have four women and then we run anywhere from 32 to 54 contributors per project or per volume. Okay. Um, so it's definitely a community. That's a lot of people. Well, yes. and that's why I was wondering, cause I'm like a magazine, that's a lot of people to communicate with. Cause I think about how much I advertise in magazines and how many emails back and forth it right? takes just to get to it. And mm. let me talk about the bleed and let me, you know, what are all these things that you have to do? Absolutely. And so I'm like, man, if you're doing something else full time, how do you communicate with all those people? So you've built a good team. Absolutely. And outsource it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, core team was essential. Um, sharing a lot of the same core values was essential. I learned pretty early on and then also learning to be able to kind of, uh, automate what you can. And, and what I mean by that is if you are talking to 10 designers, kind of having that script prepared for what they need to know. So we've created a lot of documents on best practices depending on are you writing are you designing are you doing photography and that has certainly helped with eliminating the the filler communication mm -hmm. and allow for more of that organic natural connection if that makes sense mm -hmm. I think yeah I didn't even think about that the values in creating a team for something like that because once it's printed mm -hmm. it is forever there mm -hmm. absolutely <laughs> Part of your legacy, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I um, we drive by your house to leave the neighborhood, right? And one of the things I admire about you guys so much is, you know, we come to the stop sign and and there's your house, and um, you and your husband will be out on the porch, yes. and you guys will be reading, and the girls will be like on the steps, either playing something or 
writing something or coloring or whatever. And it just seems so intentional. It seems so, um, almost hard in today's world. Like you, you have to plan that out and it's not something that just happens. We don't just (laughs) sit outside and read without intention anymore because it's so so easy to be distracted by all these other things, whatever work emails you have, or, um, even just getting lost and scrolling Instagram or whatever it is. So Luke and I will even talk about it as we're driving by like, gosh, they like they're outside intentionally doing that together. Mm -hmm. That is so beautiful. So, I mean, I just think it's a testament to obviously the work that you've put in to make that be part of your life. Uh, And being a psychologist in that field, I'm sure you see the mm -hmm. importance of it and how many people probably come into your office because they don't find that time. And I, I struggle with that too, because I'm like, I've got anxiety. I see there's a hundred emails. What if it's important? What if they hate me? Cause I don't reply quickly, but it's like at the end of the day, what's in your home is what matters the Mm -hmm. most. Absolutely. (laughs) So like, why else do we do all the other stuff? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it comes down to being able to tease apart what is important and what is urgent. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and sometimes all of the things can feel urgent simply because there are so many mm-hmm. things, right? Um, it's that qu- quantity versus quality time again. or And, and how um, we sometimes just have to hold that boundary of what is important versus what is, yes. <laughs> what is not as important. Mm-hmm. How do you think you got better at that? How did you create, I guess, the boundary, but also the intentionality of the way you wanted to live your life with your family? (laughs) It's a loaded question. (laughs) Million dollar question. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of conversating with my husband um, in order for it to be present within our parenting and our family as a whole. We had to get on the same page. So that naturally took several conversations we have a lot of traits that complement one another mm-hmm. naturally, um, but that is more of a intentional thing as well. Like it's it's those traits are things that we work on cultivating, mm-hmm. right? And and kind of work together to allow them to kind of support one another versus um, kind of work against each other, if you will, Mm because that that can happen, right? Our differences can either work for us or for against us. So I would say it started with just intentional conversations, Um, being on the same page, being able to check in and prioritize and even set values as a couple. Mm -hmm. That's an exercise we've done together. And, And we try to update it every few years just to ensure that we're on the same page. Mm hmm. Um, and then we look at how do we incorporate those as a family? And then we just set that as our priority. It's kind of like backwards planning, what's most important. And then you plan, you, you plan everything from that. Is it hard not to bring home your work? You know, if you just had an intense, you know, session with someone and then you come home and you're like, I'm just going to sit here on the porch and read. I'd be like all worked up all night knowing me. So how do you... Is it the car ride home? You process that or 
like how how do you kind of compartmentalize that in order to give your family 100% you when I'm sure you're in the field that you're in right. because you care about people so much. Right. I I think that goes back to the backwards planning again. So what I've found over the years is I'm a natural contemplator. I'm a natural thinker. I spend a lot of times in my head. I if, if I allowed myself, I can get worked up very easily. That's my natural tendency, right? Anxiety. Um, so what I found is physical activity is the number one thing that helps me keep that at bay. Oh, yes. Right? And, and that is, so that is the first thing I am doing in the morning. So I talked about how I'll dedicate two hours a morning to um, legacy work since that's my small business. But three of those days, I'm doing a physical activity, and it's fairly strenuous. And that is that has truly helped me sustain and maintain my stress and anxiety throughout the day, is having that like baseline of physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I'm not doing that three days a week, within two weeks, I'm aware that mm-hmm. I have not been prioritizing that and I my stress is high and I'm not able to turn it off at the end of the day, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel that in my soul. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for your mom's step class. I know. My physical activity. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do the day-to-day with your business? Well, and so first of all, I'm blown away because um, – my husband and I have always prided ourselves on being intentional. Like since my, since I was pregnant with my son, you know, I was like, this is going to be like, we are going to be intentional about everything we do. My motivation is, and I don't know how this is going to come off, but I am basically preparing him for adolescence so that it's easier for us. So everything is like trust and communication. Those are like the two in our household, if you don't have trust and communication, then we don't have relationships. So we're very intentional about every decision we make and have made since he was a baby. <laughs> and I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, I am not intentional enough. Like I, because I get sucked up into obviously social media mm-hmm. and just like feeling exhausted at the end of the day and feeling like I have just like given too much to other people. And which is why I put my question in here. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to read all the questions yes. just so we know what we could have been talking, talking about. Um, but I feel so I it's it's so easy as a parent to start feeling yourself spiral out of intentionality and you really do have to like bring yourself back. And it's so important to have a spouse who will do that with you, who will come back. We do it daily um, just to make sure that we're staying somewhat on the you know traje- trajectory that we um plan for so now i'm like i'm sitting here taking notes like okay i'm i'm gonna go home and I'm gonna be an Back- even better parent backwards plan <laughs> yes because i've always again like you know i see like i we have one child because i knew immediately like within six months when everyone's telling you you have to have another you'll want a girl and i did always want a girl but I I realized very quickly that my limit was one and I was going to focus on that one child and try to make him, you know, as, as wonderful a future human as possible. So I have poured everything into it, but you still like you, as a parent, you find your shortcomings. And I always tell people who are like, oh, maybe I'll have kids. Maybe I won't. I'm like, if you do not know that you want kids and you know how you're going to raise them, I, 
I think society has done us a disservice by saying that like you have to have children because, and Absolutely. this is my, you know, personal, um, opinion about it. I don't think that everybody is cut out to be a parent. And I don't, I think that's fine. I think it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. I agree. Absolutely. And I'm, I, again, think of myself as a good parent and I am nowhere near that, <laughs> so, I which think- is also fine. You know, I'm doing my best, but I also know my limits, you know? You said uh, that you knew very quickly that yeah. you weren't going to have more children. What did that process look like? It, I mean, society, again, makes it so hard because everyone, as soon as you have a child, someone's like, okay, when's your next one? It's like, right. I am, it's like when you get married and they're like, when yes, are you having when babies? Are you having You're children? like, I just yes. got married. Yeah. And you have to fight. And I, you know, I talk to a lot of my friends who are getting married or who have, you know, been married and are considering children. And I tell them like, the only advice that you should take from someone else is none of it. None. <laughs> no advice. Like do not listen to anyone because you have your, they're not going to be there raising your children. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be there changing their diapers. Um, and I, I feel like not enough people make decisions for themselves. They make them because society tells them. But I remember changing my son's diaper in Utah and just thinking, I don't think that I can go back and do this all over again. And like once they get out of diapers mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, I would have to do like the potty training over again. And splitting, like you say, your daughters have two different personalities. I have seen plenty of people who have two children and they're like their second child because inevitably the second child is, you know, the one that gives you a run for your money. I I've seen the, like, like this is a lot more stressful than I thought it was going to be. And I, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, I don't think that I could handle it. Like I am not, I, I think that my son would be worse off if I had given him a sibling And that's my personal, you know, Mm -hmm. journey. I'm going to interject because you just answered your own question that's in the bowl about three times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, that I'm very good at those boundaries, like knowing my limits. So you just have to day to day basis that I'm not good at. (laughs) Take what you just said about, you know, your limitations, you know, what is important to you and you know how to assess it and just. I know. Stick it to those other things. I know, but then we get it. So, and this goes back, sorry, that was like the long lead into the actual question. So when I, I always thought I would be a career girl. I I just, that was just my life. And so I worked for the government in uh, DC. I would wake up at 4 a.m. not to do fulfilling things, but to drive (laughs) (laughs) to DC. That is not fulfilling. Uh, There was nothing fulfilling. So an hour home, an hour and a half back just to be able to pick him up, um, from daycare and it was fine. It was, I don't know if I would call it sustainable, but at some point I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So we moved to Utah because <laughs> why not? I mean, whatever. <laughs> Utah seemed like a fun place. Um, and it was a similar situation. So I got out of the government and just left the workforce. And I was like, I just need like a break because I think I'm going to burn out and that's not good for my son. Up until then, I was very good at this is work time. And then this is, um, family time. So when I left the bureau in, uh, Utah, I went to work for a startup, which is like the worst thing that you can do. Right now. <laughs> Good experience. Kara. Yeah. It is. I, and I loved it. I loved it. But then COVID hit and we were all taking on multiple ro- roles mm-hmm. and I did not leave my computer, literally didn't leave it. And mm-hmm. if I left it, I was worried about what was happening on my computer mm-hmm. While I wasn't there and I was completely unable to 
set those boundaries. So I, you know, never saw my son and he was home because it was COVID. So he was like, mom, you know, yeah. basically like, do you hate me? So I left there too. And I'm like, not a, I, I'm still like traumatized from that. So I'm not able to go back into the workforce because I'm afraid of what it'll, I don't know if I would be able to like separate myself Right. like my job and my family afterwards. Are you like an all in type of person? Like kind of an all or nothing. Yeah. Like when you do something, you're like, I am here a hundred percent. And it becomes your identity. And that's like a mm. big thing for parents is separating your work identity, which, you know, if I have a job, it is like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to have a reputation. I'm going to work extra hours, but then your identity at home takes a backseat. And I think that there's a reason that especially moms like feel like they have to leave the workforce or, you know, make that decision because yeah, at the end of the day, what's important, it's that future human or the, you know, or future adult or whatever, um, that you're raising. And so how do you day to day, do you only work while he's at school and then you're really intentional about family no, time? I'm so, or... yeah. And I'm in this era in my life that I'm like hoping I'm like one day, like in five years, I'll look back and be like, remember your, you know, no boundaries era. Like I'm hoping that this resolves itself, but I feel like that's, there are eras all throughout I our hope. life, right? No, I really hope that like I have like my, my early twenties and then my mid twenties and then in my thirties, I'm like, okay, this is the era where I feel mature, Yeah, <laughs> so but I feel like we separate it that way. Yeah. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's how you feel. I know. Well, but I also know I need to be like conscious of it and intentional about how I approach it. Cause it could just spiral. You know, you really do have to make decisions. Like I have to say no to things and mm. I have to prioritize my child because yeah, on a daily basis, you know, I have my fingers in so many things and they're like little, like one-off things that aren't really a big deal. You know, it's like take photos for this or do this sketch or, you know, join this meeting or whatever. And they pile up and, and there isn't a cutoff at five. Like if you have a job, you can say, Nope, sorry. 5 PM. I'm at home. But mm -hmm. absolutely. That was the first thing that popped in my head when you started speaking is how, some jobs provide that yeah. boundary naturally, whereas other ones do not, yeah. right? And that's exactly what you're talking about, where it is harder to separate work from home when you're working from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That and is especially, so much harder. I know. And the small business stuff, like everybody has a small business now. Well, you're in charge, so you set the hours. Yes, you are. Yep. And if you think, like, I need to work after, you know, six or eight. Oh, sorry. There we go. <laughs> um then, you know, then you've made that decision or you set, set that standard and it's hard. We see it all the time where people are like, oh, I like left my nine to five to start my own business and now it's a 24 seven. Yeah. So. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> I help. hate those memes. Yeah. <laughs> They're so I, true. Well, but I think when you're like hustling to start up yeah. and then, you know, you have to like retract and you have to stop hustling when, you know, when you can quote, um, but then you have to essentially retrain everybody mm -hmm. and say, oh, no, no, now I'm in a place where I don't have yep. to reply to your email at 9 p.m. and I won't. <laughs> and the expectations are already there. So Right. Yep. So true. That's yeah. We talk about that all the time. You know, we'll try and put out a fire and I'm like, but if we do this, we're setting that mm -hmm. precedent. So if we send it right now, we're setting the precedent mm -hmm. that we will reply to an email at 11 o'clock at night about you know, a baby's music class. Like mm -hmm. it's Absolutely. not that important yeah. to respond to it. But also with night. your team of people, you know, for, for us, it's like, 
if you set the precedent on who knows what, um, time off, right? And then that becomes the precedent. And then you're like, oh, no, no. But in our standards, it says this is the precedence. It's way harder to go back and retrain on boundaries than it is to just hold them from the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I was talking to a client um, and we were talking about like basically retraining staff. And I was like, think of it as if you are making dinner and you have created this beautiful meal for your family and you're in the midst of making it and your kids are so hungry and they're like, can I please just have a snack? And they're like in and out of the fridge trying to grab apples and whatever it is. And you're like running over there and you're like, no, put the apple back. We're making dinner right now. Well, that's you for the next two weeks having to continuously say, no, put it back. We're about to eat. Well, after those two weeks, they're not coming to the refrigerator anymore because they know that you've been consistent to say, we are eating soon. You are not eating before that. Mm -hmm. But how much easier is it if that precedence is set from the very beginning, (laughs) right? Absolutely. And if people will respect it, respect you, and then you reciprocate that. So, and it's, it's really hard for me. It's hard because I do most of my admin work during the day or during the morning or during nap time. And but most of our business runs afternoons, you know, everybody wants their after school activities starting at three 30 through Saturday morning. So while I'm cooking dinner, while everything, I'm getting all the text and it's, it's hard because I don't want them to think I don't care. Yep. They're the ones there with the students. Like I need to show that I care. So that's hard to balance out. And so I need to step back. I know myself and go back to our training and be like, Send me a recap at the end of the evening of all the answers you need and the questions that you need. But when you have different people working in the front desk and different people working different days, they may not get the response. The person the next day might. So I put this pressure on myself to like constantly respond back. Um, I just went to this leadership conference and one of my favorite speakers, I think is Dr. O'Malley maybe is his name. He works for Dave Ramsey, but, um, the whole thing was about stress and anxiety and how your daily stuff affects that. And, you know, the things he was saying, like, don't make sure you have physical activity. Don't wear yourself out. But the thing that stuck with me the most, and I may have said this on our last podcast was, um, if you use work as your drug, then rest Mm. will be anxiety. Mm. Woof. That is good. (laughs) I was like, Okay. That is good and that is true. I was like, did he just look at me and point at me <laughs> right. and say that? Because it's, you know, it does create anxiety for me to set my phone down or step away or see, you know, by the end of this recording, I'll have 15 to 20 texts mm-hmm. and to not yep. immediately respond as soon as we're done and still just stay in this moment. And I think there's things I that I've learned is like, you know, I have my Apple Watch, right? Because my workouts don't count unless exactly. they're on my exactly. Apple Watch. <laughs> don't you get so mad? Yeah. But um, I used to have everything hooked up to it. And so I would be constantly looking at my wrist. I'd be in a meeting bzz, and I'd look at my wrist, even though I did not want to. But it became like this Pavlovian thing. And so I'm like, okay, no more notifications on my wrist. It is ruining my life. And that has helped tremendously, like that small little shift. And then putting my phone on do not disturb in a meeting or something like that, because I realized when we'd be in meetings and 
other people would get distracted with their phones, I would be like, oh, that's like a trigger for me. And then I'd be like, wait, you're doing the same thing. So you stop and set the precedence because as a leader, that is what you have to do. It is not, you know, rules for you guys and not for me. Um, And so just that little shift of like, nope, I'm unavailable now. And no, I don't need to know if somebody texted me from my wrist, you know? So it's like those baby steps of like, how do I protect my, or like drown out the noise? How do I like protect myself from all this outside stuff trying to draw my attention? Um, I like your urgent versus important. Oh, I love that too. Because that is, Mm -hmm. they're different and we tend to conflate them. Absolutely. And to go along with what Caitlin, you were just saying, it reminds me of a quote I heard years ago and it was about, no one else will respect our boundaries until we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it goes back. <laughs> Kara's sad face over there. <laughs> it goes back to Sarah, what you were saying about setting the precedent, like leading by example. And it, that is a painful season, right? Where we're, mm-hmm. we're training ourselves, training our teams, training our family to mm-hmm. respect a certain boundary or a certain standard or a certain type of culture, um, but it pays off in the long run. Well, and I know for me, sometimes the day to, I, not sometimes, my day-to-day varies every single mm-hmm. day based on if my kids have preschool or if I have a meeting or do I have an evening thing and my when is my husband working, what he's doing, is he gone, uh, how do I have to Uber my children to all their mm-hmm. <laughs> things and social activities? Um, so it does vary day by day. And one of the things that helps me if I'm like, okay, I know tomorrow I'm not going to be able to work. And I know I got all these emails today. I may check them at 10 or 11 o'clock at night because I know that I'm not going to be able to go to sleep Mm -hmm. knowing I have no clue when I'll get to that tomorrow. And so it weighs on me, but again, setting the precedent, setting the boundaries, but there's things in place So I reply, but I schedule my reply to go out during business hours. Oh, that's smart. So you train your clients and you train your staff. I'm not going to respond to your email this late at night. I did, but they don't don't necessarily know that you did, but you're doing what works for you at that day, at that time, but still training. So you also have to kind of figure out some systems. Like I want to be able to take off tomorrow. I want to be able to get a good night's rest. All this is looming over me. It would help me to check this off my list, but how can I still do it and set that precedent for my staff um, or clients? So I always like, if I do it late at night now, um, I schedule my response to go out at 9 a.m. Or whatever it may be. I mean, I'm also not a surgeon, so I don't have to <laughs> respond right away. Like, this is not urgent, as mm-hmm. you said. It's important for me to respond because it might be about someone's child or someone's job or whether or not they're going to be there the next day. But it's not urgent, like you said. I think the other thing, too, um, now that we're moving into kind of a boundaries, this is great for me, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> conversation and I feel like society's started to do a decent job at this, but I catch myself, like when somebody shows me boundaries, I catch myself instinctively being like, well, like what the heck, you know, uh-huh. like yep. that's not fair. And especially right. because I don't establish boundaries. It's not fair that you get to establish boundaries. Uh-huh. So I have to like talk myself down from it and be like, nope, like that's their life. Good for you. You know, I wish I could do that. I need to start practicing that. And I feel like it 
it takes us a cultural self-awareness for all of us to realize that like just because I have that reaction doesn't mean someone else will. And even if they do, not that's your not problem. my problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's huge. The And the day you wrote it was right after my husband and I kind of had a little not spat disagreement or just a conversation because we had all of our dance recitals last week, which was like, mm. I mean, a thousand hours. Um, and which was amazing by the way, if we can just go on a slight tangent for one second and hold that thought, <laughs> I cried my eyeballs out. Um, not only at Molly's performance, but the entire production was one of the most beautiful things I have ever, ever seen it was so well done and I've been meaning to tell you this <laughs> <laughs> thank you um but just the whole production value was wonderful and watching Josie dance and knowing that was kind of like her last thing I literally cried mm-hmm. almost the entire time which I get so embarrassed about but I just get so overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. with like these kids are so courageous and brave and have worked so hard on this and it was, it was honestly, it was so wonderful. It was Thank so you. beautiful. I've seen clips of it from people too. And I, I've been like floored. Mm-hmm. It makes Thank me sad you. that I have a son. Hey, we have, <laughs> there are some boys, boys in there. Okay, yeah. I'll yeah. bring him in. We have, <laughs> we have a few family friends that attend and we, the pictures and videos, like you were just saying, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so I've heard you. beautiful things. Yeah. Thank you. It's great. It's okay. So there you are. Go ahead. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely what I love to do. Yeah. So, and it's funny. I don't sleep the night before, but like once it hits, it's like, oh, is this so rewarding? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm like, okay, the day after recital, we are going to the beach as a family oh, and I'm going to unplug. It is until I don't follow my own <laughs> boundaries, which is why we had this issue. So mm. here we go. Fall registration opens Monday. No matter how much you prove something, no matter how much you discuss it, stuff is going to come up. There was miscommunication. There's errors, yada, yada, yada. So all day Monday, which was like our first whole day at the beach with beautiful weather, like, you know, everything, I am glued to my phone. And so I think this goes back to that backwards planning. And that's why I put this question in about the day to day. Brandon and I discussed, okay, what about next year? You have a group of people that doesn't touch recital or help with recital at all and then so all the people that did help with that can take that break and you trust those other people Mm -hmm. to handle those things and so it's a sacrifice because I'm like man I can't sacrifice anybody helping with recital but at the same time it is smart to plan that he goes either that or we say you continue working through Monday work out the kinks and we come to the beach now on Tuesday Mm -hmm. So I think the day-to-day planning has to go with the broader picture and yes. and going, you know, to your spouse and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And it was not my intention. Those things were kind of urgent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, they're not because we're talking about signing up for a dance class. But if I didn't address it right then, I would have had much larger issues that took way more of my time to solve rather than fixing that one class at that point I would have had to go to all these accounts fix all the billing fix all the registrations communicate with a lot more people so it was important for me to do that during that time um it was both important and urgent it sounds like (laughs) in that moment in that moment but spending time with my family was also important especially because they hardly saw me you know, for the whole week before Mm -hmm. at least. So, and the week before that I was in Nashville at that conference. So like my kids, you had a really busy lead up 
really busy time in your life. Yeah. And when you have kids ranging from going to college to toddler, yeah. Yeah. you are called in so many different directions. You have to wear so many different mom hats. I don't know why Dave didn't care that he put conference right, <laughs> right before, before my recital. recital. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. It's moved for next year. I took care of it. Working backwards. Oh, it's man. in April now. So oh, good, good. I'm good. glad he amended that for you. <laughs> he yeah. did. I'm sure it had nothing to do with booking the facility. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I knew they needed me, but I should have, and I don't think I properly communicated that either to my family about Today, I want you guys to enjoy the mm, beach, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to have these things to do. Mm. And I also thought, like, I got up early and I thought, okay, let me check all this, make sure everything's good to go. And I thought it would be good to go. I didn't even anticipate some of the issues or concerns, no matter how much you proof something. You know that with a magazine. Absolutely. There will always be always something that you miss because you look at it for so long. Um, but I think in a normal day to day, I do, uh, fairly well with like setting the time, but, um, it goes back to, I need to, you know, retrain my staff on when I'll respond and then not let myself be anxious Mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm leaving them hanging Mm -hmm. when they could have a customer right there that wants an answer, but I need to train them. I will find out that answer and I will give you a call tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. most things don't need an immediate answer. No. It's a societal. That's a 30-something thing that I've learned. (laughs) You know what's also interesting? I'm, like, sitting here thinking about, like, we model for our kids, right? And I feel like I don't think about that enough. Like, everything that we do, our kids are, I mean, they are watching, you know, and they are soaking it up. And it it does, I don't, I forget who said it, but it just becomes the norm. And I wonder, you know, modeling boundaries is just as important. And I feel like I don't think about that as much. Like, do you guys talk to your kids about setting boundaries or this is why I need to do work? But I do. And I try and be intentional, especially in the moment. Like this morning, I had to reply to emails before I came. But, you know, my son, he gets up so early, way before me. So he has a million things to talk about mm-hmm. before <laughs> I have my coffee. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> So, um, so I have to listen to him or what I told him this morning. I said, what you're, what you're getting ready to tell me is very important. So I want to make sure I can pay attention. So let me finish this and then I'll pay, Mm -hmm. pay attention. So I do tell him that, but I still have this horrible mom guilt because he's a six year old, like, you know, reactive, um, Mm -hmm. what is it? Not spontaneous. Can't impulsive impulsive very impulsive shocking (laughs) six-year-old boy six-year-old boy (laughs) yeah and so um yeah and a lot sometimes I'll come back to him he's like I don't remember and then I'm like oh I'm so sorry Mm. draw a picture draw a picture (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. draw a picture of it right now that's a good idea right now in our household my kids are about to be 13 and 11 and we have a lot of conversations around values, not, not actual values. Like these are our values. You will live by them. Right. Mm -hmm. But like things that are important to our family and you know, a lot of that conversation surrounds boundaries right now, because there's a lot of things that they are, uh, getting exposed to that, Mm -hmm. I don't have control over and 
we constantly, Luke and I have to remind ourselves, like we can control what happens in our house and the conversations we have with our kids that surround the things that are important to us. And part of this whole thing, like we're preparing them for adulthood. We're not raising children. We are raising adults. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that is like, here are the things that we continue to discuss and here are maybe some ways that you can handle this thing or what do you think about this? How would you want to handle this? And then like, all right, go practice whether anyone's ready or not, you have to go practice this. Right. So a lot of that surrounds friendship and what makes a good friend and how, and when you decide to forgive somebody, um, And we have to set forgiveness examples and asking for forgiveness as parents all the time. Oh, for sure. (laughs) With our kids, Mm -hmm. right? Like, hey, I messed up. I'm really sorry that I yelled. I'm really stressed out. I didn't sleep well last night. And, you know, I haven't worked out in a couple of days. And being really open and honest with the things that make you feel better and the things that throw you off. Um, which I find then they will say it back to me. (laughs) Like Logan will have an off moment and say something impulsively, um, just like, you know, with like a tone and then he'll be like, mom, I'm sorry. I didn't sleep well last night. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Powerful. We say I'm having a rough day. I'm having a rough day. Yeah. So good. So I think that boundaries have to show up in, in that way, which is like setting the expectation. Like you said, Sarah, like, Hey, I, this is really important to me. I want to hear what you have to say. Let me finish this first, but also setting the expectation up front. So like, here's what my day looks like, especially now during summertime and my kids are in and out and baseball and voice and soccer and all these things every day looks different. So it's setting the expectation, which I, I wasn't good at what are we like five days into summer or something two years into summer um, <laughs> but I wasn't good out the first couple of days and I was like oh that's right it's summer like I have to pull it together we have to set the expectation every day because they're not doing their normal routine so for everybody like here's what my day looks like tomorrow here's yeah. what you have going on you know so they can get in their minds like oh okay I'm gonna wake up I'm gonna do x y and z I'm gonna go you know Molly's babysitting Logan's up at school with Luke doing work like they can anticipate what their day looks like as well and so that's part of like the day-to-day scheduling for me is setting the expectation with everybody else and also with Luke and we yesterday (laughs) we didn't do that and all of a sudden it was like oh, I have this going on at nine. And he's like, well, I'm leaving at eight. And I'm like, wait, how are we going to X, Y, and Z, you know, get the kids here, whatever. And we were like, oh, we really have to go over our schedules now that it's summer because things are changing, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we don't set the expectation, Mm -hmm. stress is super high. Everybody's anxious. Then we're irritable. Then we say things we don't mean. And it just turns into like a giant shit show. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which isn't fair to anybody. And it lasts way longer than just taking the time to have a conversation. Right. And affects your entire day or it can, you know. Um, I think one of the things when the schedule goes awry, I know this doesn't answer the question, but when the schedule goes awry and all of a sudden you're driving to wherever you need to drive and you just had that shit show in your house and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so anxious. I'm guilty. Uh, you know, I wish I would have said this differently. And then realizing like, okay, well, guess what? You're also human. Absolutely. You're allowed to make mistakes. And for me, I take like this big giant belly breath and like envision like a waterfall going over me and washing the feeling away. And that immediately makes me feel better. And then I can focus on like, okay, 
I wish I would have done this better. How would I handle this next time? Should this come up? And this is through like lots of therapy, (laughs) by the way, I did not make any of this up. Um, you know, I've just practiced the things that I've learned going to therapy. Yeah. (laughs) That it actually works, right? The things that you learn in therapy, if you practice them, you get better at them. Um, but then, yeah, I can play it back like a movie and say, I want to do this differently. And inevitably I get the opportunity to practice again, (laughs) uh, and hopefully show up a little bit differently. Um, but as far as when it is successful, my day to day, I'm really intentional with my calendar. My calendars and people make fun of me because they were like, oh my gosh, that thing is so intense. And there's like yellows and pinks and blues and greens and each color means something different on my calendar. And, you know, I love pink. Shocking. (laughs) Um, So those are the things that are like for me. They're in pink and I look at them and they excite me. Like my workouts are in pink. Podcasts are in pink. Most of the stuff that I do is in pink on my calendar, right? Because I've gotten to a point in my life where I can choose the things that not only I'm good at, but I really, really love. And it hasn't always been that way. But I rely on my calendar to make sure that I'm living my life the way that I want to be living it. So if it's like, if it doesn't go on my calendar, it's not real. (laughs) It doesn't exist. Amen. (laughs) That book about six habits of healthy leaders or something like Mm -hmm. that. um, It says every morning when you wake up, take 15 minutes before you get on your phone, before you do anything and write down the three major things things that you have to get done that day, Mm. like the three top priorities, because at the end of the day, even if you have a shit show day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and nothing goes as planned, if you actually wrote that down and prioritized that and got that done, then you'll still feel like, okay, it was a successful day. Mm -hmm. And I think too, it just shows our kids and creates a um, relationship of trust Mm -hmm. when we do have those days and we go back and we set the example okay I've reset myself mm-hmm. let's make our evening better um my husband and I have to do that all the time we're like we're not gonna let this affect our day yeah. <laughs> let's do a restart and I even do that with my toddler like if he wakes up and he is just crying nothing makes him happy peel my peach and then he cries because I peeled the peach mm-hmm. how right. dare you yeah <laughs> no it doesn't now it's wet <laughs> I'm just like yes you asked me to peel the peach you know um we reset him. I go put him in his crib and I'm like, we're going to start the day. And he screams. And I was like, just get all of your frustration out. And I know some people probably disagree with letting your kid cry, but I do. Um, thank you. See, family (laughs) therapist agrees. (laughs) Learning to cry and learning to calm is an important skill to learn. So, um, so we'll do like resets like that, even with our kids. We'll, mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, you're having a hard day. We're going to reset. Usually it's after nap that he is like that. And I'll literally go put him in his crib, turn the sound machine on, close the door. And I'm like, you let me know when you're done. And at age two, I done. Mm-hmm. I done. Yeah. Powerful like, skill to learn. Yeah. Like he knows. Like, and then we get up and then we have the peach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that caused the fit because that's also something like I feel like is important to teach Absolutely. him. Well, and that's emotional regulation too, which I feel like I'm not sure our generation got that. No. I don't know if that's a thing. My mom was a psychologist, so I got it, but I don't think a lot of people do. So that's mm-hmm. 
teaching them that. Well, I think that we learn terms like um, calm down. Yep. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean to a two-year-old? Calm down. Yep. Unless you learn the skill set of when you are when you actually are calm yeah. of what you can do when you're upset, then you can do those things, but it's not triggered by calm down. Yeah. You tell well, me to calm down and as, a, as an adult uh-uh. and I'm like, oh, I will punch you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you want me to opposite. calm down? Yeah. Right. So it's like, unless we have the skill set, that's like what's missing is yeah. like the actual skills that you have to regulate yeah. yourself. And I think it's actually become a little taboo and a little, um, like when we talk about in our schools, like emotional regulation for us at our school, it's really, really important because you cannot teach a child anything academically Mm -hmm. if they can't regulate their emotions, Mm -hmm. if they can't make friends, if they can't stand in line for like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever that is the, the academics are secondary. You're ability to make friends and emotionally regulate and be able to um, voice when you don't like playing this game and you want to leave. Like those are so important. And I think it's been kind of co-opted to be this like ooey gooey feely. um, You've got to toughen up type of thing in our society instead of being like, no, no, this is just part of being a productive human in society is to be emotionally regulated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it doesn't make you weak. It makes you yeah. emotionally intelligent. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But a lot of people in our, you know, in our generation, I think, expect other people to adapt, not teach their own kids to adapt. I see Ugh. that in my business all the time. They're like, yeah, well, he didn't want to come back because some other kid was not kind or, or uh-huh. whatever. And I'm like... I know I have to go to places. I went to the DMV yesterday. Yeah. And guess Not what? kind. <laughs> Not kind. Yep. 1000%. So you have to teach your kids how mm. to adapt and right. how to do that. And it's just crazy. And I love, and so much stuff is taken out with the whole coddling type mentality. Constantly. I think it's called lawnmower parenting oh, now. Or gentle parenting. Well, so I think these are getting, pa- these are, yeah. So these are two separate things. Okay. okay. Let me be clear there. Okay. Yeah. Lawn. Okay, so you know there was helicopter parenting. Yes. Yep, okay. Yep, so that's that like you're hover, so you're close. These yeah. kids can't free range. You want to be there. You want to make sure that they're safe. All that. Lawnmower parenting is like I'm going to pave the way for you for it to be as easy as possible. Oh. Right. So yeah. like you have the kid at class that is not very nice or said some unkind things. Okay. Well, you're just not going to go back there. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of teaching resilience. Yes. And this is how we, we, well, we can't control that kid, right? What, how are we going to show exactly. up? What are the skills that we need in order to still go there and feel confident and yeah. have a good experience and, you know, join the, the rest of the world, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. We can't That's bubble them and yep. keep them, you know, forever. We literally tell Holden, like if he has a hard day at school or, you know, there's a friend who is mean, we walk him through the steps, but then we make sure he knows adults don't, I, I grew up thinking, oh, when you turn 20, everyone's <laughs> nice, you know, like, like you don't have to deal with this. Yeah. Like it's just, it'll be fine. And I am on a, I think most of my anxiety, especially when it comes to like politics and like the present culture and stuff, most of my anxiety comes from the fact that like, we act like children. Like, no, we don't mm-hmm. act like children. We act like humans. And mm-hmm. humans just never change. They're mm-hmm. children who act like this. And then they're adults who act like that. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part, 
if your friend is acting like this, he will probably act like that as an adult. And I don't want my son thinking it's okay. Like people are nice to each other when they're grownups. They're not. Right. So you need to know how to handle people who aren't nice because mm-hmm. it, it's part of life. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I like the whole stuff that Jordan Peterson talks about and the whole coddling mentality and people have taken out rough housing now with their kids mm. And he talked about how important it is for kids to rough house to learn boundaries. Yep. And they need to be able... This is a topic I'm passionate about. I'm like, <laughs> yes, do yes. it, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> so they need to be able to be wrestled mm. with someone safe, mm-hmm. like their father or father figure or anybody, in order to be pushed to the limit to say, ouch, that hurts. Yep. Mm. Or, yes, and to be able to know that they can say that. Yep. Right. That hurts. And then they see somebody back off. Uh-huh. Or to figure out other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. like ours, my husband says, you do not smack in the face. Mm-hmm. We can wrestle. You do not smack in the face. And when when he does that or when one of our kids does it, everything stops. Yep. And then, nope. Mine's didn't. tickling. You do not tickle mom. Do yeah. not tickle mom. Mom <laughs> will inadvertently punch you. But he knows it. If someone and it and it applies everywhere. If someone says no, someone yep. says stop. That's it. it and you might get punched in the face. Yeah. I hate to say this, yeah. but like this is real life. Yeah. Like especially with these boys on the precipice of large doses of testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> like you piss somebody off, you run your mouth, you are an a hole. Like you might get punched in the face, and I bet you won't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you will. You know, I don't know. But like. These are the realities of just being a human, yeah. right? And it doesn't change when you're an adult. We um, and all these people adjusting how they handle their babies and toddlers is what's leading to the longer term issues that we have right now. Of tell me more. So just like the not wrestling anymore because it encourages a sense of violence mm-hmm. in a kid. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people um, are like, I'll mm-hmm. see memes of don't wrestle with your kids, gentle parenting yada, yada, yada. It encourages violence or, you know, like, you know, my kid was playing with, took sticks and pretended they were guns mm-hmm. at school. And it's like somebody messaged you about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, he's a boy. He yep. needs to learn to fight. He needs to learn mm-hmm. to stand up for himself. Well, and-, and with that, my son will do guns. We have taught from, he was one year old, gun safety. Like you never, even if it's a stick, whatever you are playing with, you never pointed at a person. You never put your finger on the trigger, even because I worked in law enforcement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We knew all of the gun rules because at some point he might find a gun mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't want him not knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm, you know, right. I'm not going to hand it to him, but you find one on the street. And that's exactly what surfaced for me when you were talking, Sarah, about how if we remove all of these things, mm-hmm. this play, this wrestling uh, or playing with guns, some natural traits of childhood. Yes. Then what happens when they're faced with these situations and they don't have the protection of their parents? Yes. And I never thought about how wrestling teaches boundaries. Yeah. Like the longer term stuff about that. And before Mm -hmm. we started, we were talking about even the psychology of my youngest daughter and you know her her eating and restroom mm-hmm. stuff and how it's all connected from birth or yes. even before I don't Absolutely. know what happened in my womb but, yeah right but she dealt with psychologically right. and so yeah it's just one of zero those. to five zero yeah. to five is like the window yep it sets the foundation and stuff that children don't even remember yep 
Absolutely. Can either be traumatizing or just set the foundation for some other successful thing. Mm -hmm. But zero to five is... I and wish I would have known that. Like I, I knew it, but I didn't like know, know it in that it's era. It's because you're in your 30s. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and I think something that our generation got taught that I'm pretty sure we're reversing now is sharing. Sharing drives me nuts. Oh, yes. Because if it is yours, you don't have to share it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but like we were taught sharing is caring and like you share and anything that you have, you share with uh -huh. someone. And if you don't share it, like you're a you, horrible person. Yes. And that's why we all have hangups about boundaries. Like we have no boundaries because that was just, it was, it was just a known universal fact that what you have, you share with people. And there is, you know, generosity is a thing and you want to instill that in your kids. And if you have, you know, if you're done with the toy or if you tell somebody, I will be done with the toy in a few minutes, that is a form of sharing that's not, it's not going to like cripple you when somebody asks you for something that you don't feel like open to, to give. Mm -hmm. We teach this at the very beginning at school. It's not sharing. You can take a turn with it. Yeah. You can say, oh, I'm using this right now. I'll give it to you next. Mm, right. Yeah. And then they learn patience yep. mm, that they can wait. And you can watch two-year-olds do this. Yeah. It may not be pretty at first, but they will learn and not entitlement. How to wait their turn. Yeah. They won't assume that people are going to hand them things because they ask for them. Even if you ask politely. You can ask politely and someone is allowed <laughs> to I say no. But I asked nice. Yeah. Just like at the DMV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you imagine saying that at the DMV? <laughs> but I asked nice. I asked nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. The whole roughhousing thing is a big deal, especially at our nature school. They're, um, we lovingly call them our feral children because oh. they are just being kids out there and they are wild and fun loving and free. And these boys innately turn sticks into guns. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say as a generality, the boys are playing some sort of army, um, game. And then the, the girls are typically, you know, somebody's the mom and I was going to say playing house, they're mm -hmm. playing house typically. And, and that intertwines occasionally, but if you look as a whole, it's mm -hmm. typically the boys who are rough housing and, and all of that stuff. The girls definitely go home with their bruises and their dirt and all that. <laughs> um, but we've had to do a lot of training mm -hmm. for the parents to be able to, and some of them already know this, but that rough play is okay. It is okay. And we teach them and we are monitoring that it doesn't go too far. And we teach the children in those first six weeks to say like, oh, I don't like this game anymore. Mm -hmm. Or that scares me. Or no, don't touch me. You know, all right. of these boundaries, because it, you know, when you're playing any sort of game, it has to be a consensual game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So if I don't like this anymore, or even if it, you know, I just don't want to play anymore, then, hey, I'm out. And that's yep. cool. Right. Um, and if we don't have that, then we have this wishy washy who knows what is on the other side of that, actually. And I wonder, you know, especially with the boys in terms of like the rough and tumble behavior, if you don't get to play out these things as children, kind of uninhibited, what that looks like on the other side as an adult, you know? Absolutely. It makes me think about how when we learn that so much of our mental or emotional energy can be expended physically. Right. Like that is what our children are doing. Yes. They are releasing those nerves, right? That natural energy that we, we produce mm -hmm. throughout a day. I, 
I just need to work out. I'm just taking away from this that I need to go to the gym. <laughs> so if you want to change your life, that's what I tell everybody. Like the quickest way to change your entire life is to, well, first of all, create your own hard because we live this super cush lifestyle where we, you know, whatever we go to Agora and we get a I coffee know, I know. and it's, then and we get to do a job we love 10 minutes so it's terrible <laughs> yeah we live this super great privileged life and I'm not saying nobody's worked for it or sacrificed anything because I think we all have but it's all relative yeah so go make your own hard which for me is like go feel like you're almost dying working out and then leave it all there and then you feel like superwoman the rest of the day and if that's the hardest thing you do in the day dang, you're a lucky woman, yep. mm-hmm. right? That's like, I'm right there with you. Like if I don't get my workout, I am like, Ooh, like a little red lining. Yeah. Like that's what I've been like for the past 10 years. Then. I've just been on that level. <laughs> but you've gotten a lot done. Yeah, I know. It, so <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> you've definitely filtered that. Yeah. I think, um, I'll, do you have any other insight into all of this stuff and the family things that we're mentioning about, you know, how the current culture is and kind of what you see in your clients now? Like, do you work with the children as well as the parents or just the parents or tell us about that a little bit? So my current work is primarily with couples and it does extend into families, um, but not as strongly with children. I will say when I'm working with couples, oftentimes parenting comes up very naturally. And that, what I see most often is the, the need for regulation, Mm. right? That is usually one of the greatest topics presented is how do we help regulate our child's emotions? Mm -hmm. And my answer is always by example, mm. right? We we lead by example. We live by example. We help them co-regulate. Our children are not developmentally supposed to be able to handle certain experiences and certain emotions on their own without us walking that with them. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's usually the most predominant um, issue or challenge that I see arise. So going back to something that was said earlier in regards to teaching boundaries. Um, I saw a post earlier this week that said the question was raised, how do I get my child to enjoy reading? And is it the reading rainbow one? I believe it is. I loved it. It was like game changing. Yeah. (laughs) It was the, what was his name? The guy who created reading rainbow. I forget his name, but the essentially his, his response was, how often are they seeing you read? Yep. Mm. And I believe that applies to every area of our lives. Yeah. Is your child anxious? How anxious mm-hmm. are you? <sighs> and what are you doing with your anxiety? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's natural to be anxious. That is a natural experience in life. It's natural to be sad. It's natural to be angry. It's natural to have a array of emotions. Mm-hmm. But how do you... Mm-hmm. manage those well and the second half of that too back to the original conversation was get them to read what they like to read mm-hmm. which yep. was such a yes. game changer too like he said you know if if he likes reading about superheroes then get him a comic book and that's like the problem with schools now is mm-hmm. i was gonna say hashtag why i homeschool yes <laughs> because they're reading like 
snooze fests and my mm-hmm. son will read dinosaurs all day why sure. don't they have dinosaurs and you know there's no dinosaur books in school right so yeah that was a good uh yeah i don't and know what that was a meme no pressure right you're talking right. about this and it's like no one knows before they have kids 100 what a large undertaking it is yeah and just how <laughs> luke and i i don't know we were watching some show um, and they said something like, you know, what's hard on a relationship. And then they said something else. And I was like, looked at him. I'm like, you know, what's hard on a relationship having kids. Yeah. yeah. That's what's hard yes. on a relationship. Absolutely. So like get all your shit together, pull it all together, be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. that you can be regulate your emotions so you can teach your kids that yes. and you don't end up, um, messing them up along the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. No big deal. It's no fine. Big deal. Yeah. No yeah. pressure. He's so easy. Easy yeah. answers. Well, we had really good conversations about boundaries so and even though that was our day-to-day i know i'm so glad we got to talk about it does, yeah no i, <laughs> but I think it goes together they you do. have yes. to set yes. the boundaries for your day-to-day stuff to get done and balance your life yeah. and thank you both so much for coming and having coffees and mimosas and being our yes. first coffee and mimosa this conversation this was so fun i, know, I love really this so much such a joy where can we find you guys on social media i'm on meet me on mccaskill I am at Legacy Mag or abbyray.lmft. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.